and welcome to the Middlemen podcast, taking you ringside, pitchside, and sharing a unique journalistic perspective on sport. I'm Noah Abrahams. And I'm Max Taylor. From boxing to football, as we normally do this week, we have some of the biggest talking points that the podcast has seen yet, from a handful of title fights to uh, Liverpool finally being back to their winning ways. It's one that you should be sure not to miss. Okay, so let's start with football. Uh, My beloved Chelsea doing absolute bits on the European stage. If you're an eagle-eyed listener, then you'll know I wasn't watching the game live. I was at Sheffield Wednesday last night. But, Max, I did watch the highlights when I got home. Uh, I did my notes this morning and I'm very impressed with the Chelsea performance. Uh, Two goals against Atletico Madrid at Stamford Bridge. 3-0 on aggregate. We're through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. I think that's the first time in about seven years. Uh, so what an achievement for Thomas Tuchel. From Ziek and Emerson with the goals to uh, my man Timo Werner. And I mean, that whole Chelsea team, Alonso, um, Cesar Azpilicueta, everyone was brilliant. N'Golo Kante in that holding role. Such a good player, as we know. But last night, he really proved uh, just just how much quality he has. What was your thoughts on that on that game from a Liverpool fan's point of view, sitting back and watching it, I know, with some Chelsea fans? Uh, I, I just thought Chelsea looked unstoppable. Well, uh, missing that's, that's the best excuse you can get for missing your team's match, isn't it? Reporting on another match <laughs> at Sheffield. But yeah, I mean, Chelsea are just unreal. You, there's nothing else you can say about them at the moment. There's no critique I can find at them. Uh, they are just playing out their skin under Tuchel. He's a fantastic manager. He's really got the squad together. As you said, everyone's playing well. You know, I've, I've even forgot about Emerson. Come on, and his first touch as a goal. It's, it's, it's crazy what's happening right now. You guys are full steam ahead, firing off all cylinders. And um, as, as Chelsea fans, it, it'd be great to watch. But yeah, as you said, you guys are unstoppable and just dominated Atletico. Um they obviously had a few chances. There are a few little controversial talking points. I mean, you had the Savage red card and the as the um, uh, debatable penalty. But uh, you look outside of that, you know, that's that's really got nothing to do with a um, hell of a shift that all the players put in. And it, and it even comes down to putting a shift in the 94th minute. Um, I think one of the highlights of that game was N'Golo Kante's yeah. run from his own box to, to the uh, opposition box. You, you'd think after the shift he put in, you got nothing else to give. And then he does that. He um, never fails to disappoint that man. And yeah, he, he's, he's crazy. And it just, I think he kind of was at the forefront of what was a great Chelsea performance from all the players. Yeah, Kante's work ethic is incredible. Before I wax lyrical on Chelsea, here's a bit of trivia. I'm going to ask you this. Any idea who the last English club to knock Atletico, Atletico Madrid out of the European out of any European tournament worse. So who were the last English team in the group stages to knock Atletico Madrid out of a European tournament? Well, I know for sure it wasn't us last year. <laughs> wasn't? No. But um, I tell you what, mate, that 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 question goes uh, way beyond my football knowledge. I've, I can tell you that. I'd be interesting to see who it is. Go on, go on. Well, I think our listeners would be shocked by this. It was Bolton Wanderers in 2008. <laughs> Bolton were the last team to knock Atletico Madrid out of the European group stages. And uh, Chelsea, uh, how long ago was that? That was 2008. So Chelsea, what, 12, 13 years, years later, <laughs> doing it again. And last night, I thought, against a, a team top of La Liga, Chelsea were absolutely unbelievable. Like you said, controlled the game, dominated the game. There were v- very few mistakes. And I just thought, I'm going to start with Werner. I know he didn't score, but he was directly involved in another goal. That's 17 this season. 
Uh, he scored 10 with seven assists. So he's been directly involved in 17 Chelsea goals. It was Chelsea's 13th uh, game on beaten under Tuchel and 11th clean sheet. Uh, I thought we flooded the midfield. Kante at the back, like we said, in that holding role is so impressive. Kovacic controlled the game in front of the in front of the front three, uh, who were all magnificent last night. And going off of what I've seen from Tuchel, and I don't know if this is, uh, I don't know if this is going to cause a bit of controversy. I think if Tuchel had been the Chelsea manager at the start of the season, we would be in the top two right now. I think we would be challenging uh, and battling Man City for the Premier League title. Is that a fair? Is that a fair statement to make? Do you think? That's for sure, mate. I think the gap would be. Uh much tighter than it is right now. I think you guys would have definitely stopped. Well, uh, if you, under the hypothesis that you're in the form that you are from the start of the season, I guess there is a question over how long you can continue it. But, you know, you, you there, there's been those questions four or five games ago and, and you've carried on. So uh, I, I think the potential to your form is kind of unlimited right now. And, and it looks like you're just going from strength to strength. So I think you definitely would have tightened that gap and... Um, really would have been gunning for that title by now at this stage of the season. Well, I think we can win the Champions League and I, I definitely think we'll finish in the top four. Have you seen that meme, Max, on Instagram where you know you're British when you say to the when you say to your mate and you see the person they hate, oh, look, it's your best friend. So Billy Gilmore, <laughs> uh, a footballer who you absolutely... Uh, well, you have a <laughs> My love best hate, friend, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have a love and hate relationship with him. He's not getting games, neither is Callum Hudson-Odoi. And I think that's probably the only kind of fault I can pick in Tuchel at the moment he's not playing the youngs Ben Chilwell as well he's not playing the youngsters like Lampard did uh, but at the same time I don't have a lot of sympathy with Billy Gilmore and Callum Hudson-Odoi why would if I were Tuchel I wouldn't change a winning team yeah I mean look it's it's, it's kind of hard to um make an argument to start playing those players. And I think those young players will understand why they're not getting a look in when the team's playing uh, as well as they are right now. And you you look at the form and before, you know, you're an individual player, you don't play for yourself. You play for the team, don't you? So I think those guys just got to be happy um, that the team are are playing as well as they are and kind of appreciate when they do get a look in because the pecking order is going to be real tight right now. Uh, Of course it is. There's going to be some uh, rotation to it. Obviously, uh, especially in, in your next fi- coming fixtures because there will be some tired legs from that game. Uh, Kante's especially. But, uh, you know, against Atletico Madrid, you kind of do have to run yourself into the ground. You guys did that um, at the expense of a win, nonetheless. So, yeah, th- there'll be some rotation, of course. But um, I think those young players will understand why they're not necessarily um, getting a lot of game time right now. Well, two really good English young players, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Billy Gilmore. And I wanted to touch on English players and go off something that I heard Adrian Durham saying on TalkSport. We love a bit of controversy on the Middlemen podcast, and I know they do on TalkSport as well, but I think he overstepped the line with this. Adrian Durham said that Phil Foden is the best English talent since Bobby Moore. And to that, I say that's a load of rubbish uh, because you only have to look at Frank Lampard. You have to look at Steven Gerrard, Michael Owen, Wayne Rooney, Alan Shearer, the list goes on. Um, So what do you make of that statement that Phil Foden is the greatest English footballer to come out of this country's kind of academy, I suppose, since Bobby Moore? Well, it's, it's classic talks for in a, a big sweeping statement to uh, get the headlines and get us talking. We're I think, talking I think it, that, yeah. yeah, exactly. They're, they're great at doing that. And um, it's, it's really hard to make that, that argument right now, especially at this stage in his career, say in a few years, 
uh, he lives up to his potential. He's shown great potential. He's a great youngster right now. You, you can't say that Foden hasn't had a great season. He, he's been fantastic. He's a, a goal threat and he's exactly what City fans want from, uh, you know, they get a lot of stick about bringing in foreign players and getting them to do all the work. But look at look at what that man's done for the team. I think he's a great asset to City at his age already. And um, a lot of... Uh, English fans will be very happy and excited to see him perform in the Euros. I know there's that uh, great talking point about who who uh, Southgate should be taking out of him, Madison, uh, Mount, and Grealish, but I, t- I don't think he's he's in you know that great enough to to be compared to the likes of Bobby Moore or uh, even be said that he's better than as you said those those golden players like Owen, uh, Shearer, Gerrard, Scholes, Lampard. He's got a lot to do yet. He's got a lot to do. But say in 10 years, if he's kept up his form and lived up to the potential that he's showing right now, then then you can kind of consider making that argument. But now I think it's way too early um, and a bit of, bit of a silly sentence, really, isn't it, to, to it, be saying that? It was. It was a ridiculous statement to make. And the only reason I brought it up was because I heard it on the way down to Hillsborough last night and I was seething and I needed somewhere to <laughs> say... Uh, I'm glad we've got the platform to do just that. And on those those four English talents in, in that midfield, uh, yeah, I'd take Foden over Mount any day. I think I would go with, I'd probably go with Phil Foden, Jack Grealish uh, and James Madison. Uh, let's go on to Liverpool. Uh, Chelsea, by the way, and Liverpool are, are in the draw uh, for the quarterfinals tomorrow night or tomorrow, I don't know what time it is. So on Friday, the draw for the quarterfinal goes ahead. Let's move on to your team though. Beat Wolves on Monday night, 1-0 at Molyneux. Uh, a back-to-back to back wins for Liverpool that hasn't happened in a while. It uh, looks like you're slowly turning things around. You're looking a little bit better now. Uh, what did you make of that performance, Yota scoring against uh, his old team as well? Yeah, I, I don't really want to say uh, that we've turned the corner because the last time I said that we uh, had an absolute mare of fixtures and results. But it's looking promising. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but we've turned out a couple of great results in two different competitions. We needed that league win, but I, I was very confident going into it because I felt like we had done enough against Leipzig to convince me that we could go to Wolves and we could take the game to them. You know, it, it, we, we had a lot of chances and I think the next step now, now we've got, I think we've got our confidence back with those two fixtures. Now we need to start being a lot more confident in front of goal and start taking those chances. Obviously, our confidence has been shot with um, how badly we've been performing at home and just our league run has been terrible. You know, it's it's been it's been a, a very bad patch for the team. But I think now uh, Yota coming back, absolutely fantastic. That man is exactly what we needed um, to to pick us up from where we were and kind of take us forward. And he was the man to do that, as you said, against Wolves scoring. Um, he had no hesitation to put it past his old his older teammate in Rui Patricio, who unfortunately um, had, had that scare at the end of the match. Thankfully, he's OK now. But yeah, Yota is just picked up and given us exactly the boost that we needed. We've now got the confidence to stop relying on um, our midfielders like Fabinho to be dropping in centre-back. Instead, now Klopp is putting the faith into Phillips and Kabak and they're, they're showing why he... Um, they're showing that they deserve to have that faith put in them by going three games without conceding a goal yet. So, And then Fabinho now has the freedom to uh, do his thing in midfield and be fantastic in midfield. So, yeah, it's, it's looking really good for the team now. Um, and I think that all started from Yota. I, I can't give enough props to him. He's, he's a fantastic player and hopefully he can take us now and um, kind of get us out of that bad patch and we can go on a, hopefully go on a bit of a win streak and kind of start start showing people uh, who, who the champions of last year really are. 
Is Yotta the next Bobby Firmino? Is, is, is he now kind of, has the changing of the guards already taken place? It's, it's tough in there. I think they're two different players in what they do. They're both very creative, um, both fantastic little nifty players on the ball. Um, but for, for me, just you've you got to look at what's going on right now. I don't want to look too far into the future and uh, look to see if Bobby's going to be useful for us in the few years. I'm sure he will. He's he's always been a good asset for us. I know, you know, he, he's not the one who scores a whole load of goals and is, is hailed in that respect. But, uh, you know, Liverpool fans respect him because we, uh, some people don't, you know, other uh, fans from other teams don't know what he does, but but we do and, and we're grateful for it. But right now, uh, Yota's on fire and, and there's just no way that Bobby's going <laughs> to, ha- can, can start or, or has a place over him. And you've got uh, you've got now a two and a half week break until you play Arsenal at the Emirates, which is it's quite a long time because of the international break. Uh, obviously, uh, what are your thoughts kind of heading into the break now? Is it just a chance to to regroup? You're back to winning ways. Kind we kind of back to winning ways. Is it now a chance to kind of rekindle that spark and go again and come out fresher on the other side? Well, yeah. To be fair, I, I think. Um... Obviously, it's, it's a great opportunity to rest the legs and kind of regroup and, and come back even stronger. But I would have preferred there to be no break. I think a lot of That's fans think that anyway. But yeah, no, I would have um, just given given the form that we're in right now, given that we've got the back-to-back wins, I would have just liked to go straight into the next weekend and get, uh, get another, you know, because it's I feel like it's a bit of a bump in the road and kind of stopping us um, from getting that trajectory up and getting that form up right now. So um but but hopefully hopefully it doesn't change uh, the performances that we've been putting in and we can go to well uh, go go at home and uh, in Anfield put in a good performance which we haven't been doing over the past the, the past well in 2021 so um i'm i'm just hoping that you know we we put in a, a great game against arsenal despite the break i think the break might be a bit of a, a bump in the road i would have just preferred to go straight into the next weekend and and gone into it but what can you do it's the international break we said last week you got to respect it it's the duties for all the players so it's it's part part of the game and it part of the premier league as well to some degree so uh, it, it's got to be done unfortunately but yeah I, I hopefully that it doesn't affect the form that we're in and we can go and win against arsenal Well, there you go. Rounding off a football section nicely of the podcast this week. Chelsea have another quarterfinal to look forward to on Sunday. It's Chelsea versus Sheffield United uh, at Stamford Bridge. 1.30 kickoff and you touched on momentum there. It's very different in boxing and football. And I completely get what you mean, Max, with uh, when you're winning games, you do not want that to end. You do not want to break for two weeks. And I think that's what affected a lot of the relegation sides last year. Teams like Aston Villa have benefited, uh, but... Other teams, it certainly didn't. It didn't benefit a team like Watford, who went down, uh, arguably because of the break in that with the momentum. It's a difficult one. But uh, anyway, let's go on to boxing. AJ Fury, finally, it's been agreed. And AJ fought uh, Pulev not too long ago. Tyson Fury's had a massive gap uh, since he was last in the ring. And, you know, momentum does affect boxers in different ways. And a lot of people are saying that, the momentum is with Anthony Joshua going into this fight. It's a two-fight deal that they've agreed. At long last, a big sigh of relief from everyone uh, in the boxing world. It's an all-British heavyweight title fight. All the belts are on the line. The winner will be undisputed. AJ defends his WBA, IBF and WBO belts. Uh, Fury will put his WBC belt on the line. And now we're just waiting for confirmation on the date and location, whether, whether it's going to be in the Middle East, America 
or China. But Max, it really is about time. And thank God the fight has finally been agreed. Well, it's been something, I think even from our first episode uh, about a year ago, it's, it's been something that we've been talking about. Uh, been the the fight that everyone's been wanting to have. It's been the biggest fight in boxing. And now, as you said, it's, it's been confirmed. It's fantastic that we've got round to it. There was a lot of questions uh, if it could be confirmed because you've got, you know, the, the two biggest fighters and there's, given the way modern boxing is with its politics, it's not always um, certain that the best will fight the best. But we're, we're lucky enough for that to have happened. And yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be the clash of the titans. I think it's going to be what everyone's expecting it to be. Hopefully, as you said, Tyson Fury's made a, a huge, uh, he's, he's had a huge break off now. It's been over a year and it'll probably be about a year and a half. Uh, well, coming up to that when they actually get in the ring. So everyone talks about you're as good as your last fight. And that was a career defining, uh, career best performance from Tyson Fury in his last fight, obviously in the world of rematch. But you do have to consider how long ago his last fight actually was. You said, you know, Joshua fought against Pulev. He does have the momentum, to be fair. Um, I don't think he, he performed as well as Fury did, but um, he's the fresher man going into this. Uh, Fury has been saying that he's been drinking 12 pints a day, all that, but I think that's just a, just that's cool. a classic, that's a classic reporter blagging. He, he loves to, uh, he loves to make a, a couple of things like that up. But yeah, ho- hopefully it doesn't disappoint. Hopefully these guys... Um, can even one-up their performances that they turned out last year and give fans exactly what they've been hoping for. I don't think it will disappoint. Uh, I th- what is disappointing, though, like I said a few minutes ago, is, is that it could well be held in the Middle East. It could be in America. It could be in China. It could be in Singapore. Uh, and this is, let, let's not forget the occasion. I mean, this isn't just an, a regular fight. Like you said, we've been waiting well over a year for just the confirmation. We knew about this fight two years ago. We knew it was eventually going to happen. And so all this massive build-up for it to be the other side of the world, in Saudi Arabia, in a different time zone, in a different climate, climate when uh, British fans won't, likely won't be able to go and watch it, at least if it was in the Wembley, Wembley Stadium or even in the Wembley or O2 arenas, there would, be, there would be fight fans there from this country. So that does upset me, actually. It's an all-British heavyweight world title fight for the first ever four-time uh, belt holder in this division and British title, British fight fans are likely not to see it live. Well, look, you you, you can't you can't dismiss it straight away. No, you've got to have a bit of faith because they have signed a two fight deal and yeah. and that's that's where the hope is. The, the first fight, yeah, it, it could be the big money grabber in that uh, you know the Saudi Arabian venue or wherever. That's okay. You know what? I'll, I'll happily. Uh, I don't care where the first fight is because <laughs> they've signed that second fight. And that second fight should be way, way past COVID. So hopefully now, uh, when when that second fight's done, obviously it'll probably be late late this year or uh, early fe- next year. About February next year, I think. Yeah, people go I, with a, a lot, a lot. Of, there's a lot of talk about it being um, about both fights happening in 2021. I can't necessarily see that happening, uh, given the fight camps and and the refreshments. These, these guys are going to go at it, so they're going to have a bit of time off. They're going to need a bit of time off. Uh, from the first fight before they start training again. So, and, and I'm all for that. If that means COVID goes away and fans can come back into stadiums in Wembley or at a location in Britain, then then I'm happy uh, for that to happen. I'll wait as long as I need to wait to for it to be, as you said, uh, an all-British showdown in uh, their home countries. 
Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be too negative. I suppose one of the fights will will almost certainly be in this country. So as long as we get one out of the two, then I suppose that's all right. Uh, your your favourite boxer of all time, Max, Floyd Mayweather, said that he'll be advising AJ uh, for this bout against Tyson Fury. So he will essentially have, I don't think officially, but he will have Floyd Mayweather in his corner, Anthony Joshua. How valuable will, will Mr. Money be? You know, I think, I think that's going to help him, isn't it? Yeah. Um, look, Floyd isn't, since he's retired, he hasn't been a, a verified coach. He hasn't been certified. You know, he, he's, he's promoting, he's got his own promotions and uh, is, is a very successful promotion in America. But as far as his coaching uh, standards go, we haven't really seen that. There's, you know, he hasn't taken um, a world champion under his wing yet, like he's done, and especially not a world champion like Anthony Joshua. But he has invaluable experience. So even if he's not coaching him to the full degree, obviously Joshua's not going to stray far from his uh, trainers and his coaches anyway. But just having just having somebody like Floyd Mayweather in your ear is is good enough. And there's no way you cannot benefit from that. And uh, I know we're speaking about it earlier in the week. I was saying if, if Floyd um, gets, as you said, unofficially in the corner of Joshua and Joshua wins, Floyd just wins boxing, man. Yeah. <laughs> from, from, from being a boxer himself to retiring and then, uh, helping other boxers to world titles, that man just wins wins the whole sport for me. <laughs> Biased opinion, of course, but yeah, the, when if if he does that, is there nothing he can't do? There is nothing that man cannot do. And and look, from one all British heavyweight title fight to uh, an all British light heavyweight title fight, it's it's for the English Championship, uh, the English title next month in Bolton. Uh, it's Ricky Summers challenging Dan Aziz for his English light heavyweight belt. And we spoke to Ricky Summers about that fight. It's an eliminator for a shot of Craig Richards' British title. Here's what he had to say. Ricky, you'll challenge Dan Aziz for the English light heavyweight title in Bolton next month. The fight will also be an eliminator for a shot at Craig Richards' British title. So how are you feeling with a month to go? Feeling great. Weight on point. Um, training going well. Always a bit tired this stage of camp. Um, but yeah, barring that, everything's going great. Well, I was there at Walsall in 2019 when you beat Raymond Snide, and it, such a long time ago now. But how raring to go are you to just get back into the ring to to get the gloves on and to actually be back in a ring with an opponent? Yeah, raring to go. Like I've stayed in the gym since then. You know, a few fights popped up. I was meant to fight Craig Richards uh, before he fought Shaq. He had a shoulder injury. You know, which, you know, we recovered and then went on to beat Chuck. So I've always been in the gym since that fight. It's just obviously with the pandemic and stuff, nothing's been going on. Yeah, I can imagine it's been very difficult. I mean, what what has it been like? Has it been frustrating not being able to get back into the ring? It's been been frustrating, but on the other hand, I'm with a new team now down at BCB. Um, my trainer is Errol Johnson and... Uh, you know, it's got a small time to work together, so it's a blessing in disguise, really. Well, you know, the title fight's next month, and obviously you've had a title fight before in 2017. And th- does that loss motivate you even more to want to win uh, come next month in Bolton? Oh, massively. I mean, look, you can't afford to lose in boxing. You know, when you lose in boxing, it's like playing football. You know, it, it knocks you so far down the ladder. So this is a must-win fight for me, and you know, I'll go out there and uh, pull off the win on is the 17th there, of April. Is there pressure? Is there sorry, less pressure as kind of the underdog? You're not the champion. You're going in as, as the challenger. Is there less pressure from your point of view? 
I mean, there's a bit of pressure there. Obviously, if I lose this, you know, where do I really go from here? So, like, there's always pressure, but, you know, it's one of those. There's pressure in every fight. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm making, uh, you know, I'm going to be the best Ricky Summers. I'm making the most of it. And, yeah. Well, what's going to be the biggest challenge, do you think, trying to overcome Aziz? Because, obviously, we know he's got... A perfect record. What's going to be the biggest challenge trying to overcome him? Yeah, we've got a we've got we've got a, we've got a good game plan. You know, I watched it, I watched him, I watched him come up. I've seen a lot of his fights. He's a good fighter, but I just think I've got the tools to beat him, and uh, I'll prove that on the seventeenth. What would it mean to become the English champion? How much would it mean to you? Oh, it means it means the world to me. Um, you know, when I first set out, you know. My dream was just to become English champion and, you know, fighting for it and stuff now. I can uh, I can do that. Obviously, I went on to fight for the British and stuff and just come up short, as you know, in that. Um, but, yeah, this 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 opens the doors up to big things. This is, this is a massive fight. Dan Aziz in the top five in the country. You know, beating him, to put me up there. And, uh, like you say, it's uh, a British eliminator as well. So, the winner goes on to fight for that. Have you let yourself kind of think about what could happen if you win this fight in the, the future ahead if, if you do? Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's a big fight. This is a big big fight for us both. And, you know, it opens up massive doors, like I said. Um, you know, winning this one fight away from my, from my dream and becoming British champion, you know, that's every British fighter's dream. Ricky Summers there speaking to us about a massive fight with Dan Aziz next month for the English Championship. Uh, got Errol Johnson in his corner, not quite Floyd Mayweather, but uh, still some uh, <laughs> some loads of knowledge there. Let's go on to another Brit- uh, Britain. It's uh, British boxer Lawrence Acoli. He fights Christoph Glowacki uh, for the Cruiserweight title on Saturday night. British boxing at the moment, Max, it, it's just on fire. It, it's so hot and it's it's so impressive to see the amount of talent coming out of this country and uh, all around the UK. It's for the WBO title at uh, the Wembley Arena, the Cruiserweight WBO title. Uh, does Akoli stand a chance? Um, well, I, I think when you when you see this matchup happening, the first person you got to applaud is Eddie Hearn to get this going. To get Akoli um, already fighting for a world title is is fantastic pro- promotional work from him. Uh, I think he's done great. And you talk about it being a cruiserweight title. Oh, look, it's, it's vacant. So I think Akoli's done very, very well to kind of get in and, and say say he, w- he wins this fight, which he has a massive chance of doing because Glowacki's not, he's not really the uh, an, an established cruiserweight champion right now. So out, out of everybody that he could face at the world stage, he's got, I, I want to say the easiest fight. I, I don't want to, you know, um, kind of hate on him for for having this fight. It's, it's a huge step up for him still. But you look at the kind of array of competition that's at the top of, of the cruiserweight. It's, it's still a big step up for him. Um, but it's, it's not Maris Bradis. Uh, it's not Makabu that are the, the established title holders up there. And these are these are scary champions. But I think if Akoli gets this win now. Uh, this weekend, then he, then those are the names that he's going to be looking at next. And who's to say that he's, he's not going to be stepping up and winning against these people? He's, uh, you know, he's, he's won every every step up and taken it fantastically uh, so far in his career. He's gone up the levels, you know, from British to European to international. So the the only way you can go up from there is at the world stage. So say if he wins this, now he's a title holder and hopefully he can be looking to unify against these guys. I think he's in for a great shout. 
Um, and it's going to be win or lose this weekend. It's going to be great experience for him and a great learning curve. I think if he does lose it, it'll be unfortunate, but uh, he'll, he'll only come back better. He's got a great style that suits him at cruiserweight, the kind of awkward slugger, but ferocious power in his hand. So um, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. And hopefully uh, down the line, he, he can start unifying these titles maybe and, um, and start fighting these top, top names in, as I said, uh, Bradis and Makabu. Well, win or lose, he'll be on the booze. And it is <laughs> it, it is interesting, actually, in boxing. And you, you touched on it there, and Ricky Summers touched on it as well. One fight can change everything. And like Ricky said said to us, if he loses, it's not like in football where you lose a game and you, you go back the next weekend and everything's fine. In boxing, if you lose a fight, then you are you're, you're the bottom of the ladder. And it is a really, I know... Uh, Coley's got a massive career ahead of him, but someone, I guess, coming to the end of their career. And I remember we spoke about this with Daniel Dubois and Daniel Dubois is young and he'll come back from it. But it was, it was that talking point. You lose one fight in boxing and everyone's, everyone's questioning your ability. So it's really interesting. And uh, eight years ago, we saw a brilliant bout between uh, Estrada and Gonzalez, uh, Galo Estrada and Roman Gonzalez. And, uh, we were blessed with another brilliant fight on the weekend. One that Eddie Hearn said that was the, it was the best he's ever watched is what Eddie Hearn said on Twitter. Juan Estrada beat Roman Gonzalez, a.k.a. Chocolatito. So the best name in boxing uh, for the WBC and WBA titles in Dallas. Estrada won courtesy of a split decision uh, in the rematch following that fight I mentioned eight years ago uh, in L.A., Everyone's talking about this fight, Max. I've seen the highlights, I've seen the punches, the amount of punches, an incredible one to watch. But why was it so special? Well, you, you mentioned the punches there. These guys are warriors. They don't know anything else in life but to punch and to punch up volume and effectiveness. And that's what made this fight, I think, well, it's, it's only March, but I can I can say, you know, it, it's going to need something. It's going to need a... Uh, Gatti Ward type fight to beat this one because uh, to, for fight of the year award I'm talking about now because you know the they broke uh, the record for the amount of punches in a fight two, over 2,500 com, uh, combined that's that's what made it so special I think these guys are a future Hall of Famers anyway when they retire they're going to be uh, remembered as one some of the best uh, flyweights in that division's history. Uh, so for them to go at it again at a different stage in their careers from eight years ago, as you said, uh, just just made it fantastic. And everyone was going into it thinking uh, it has all the makings of a fight of the year, and it just lived up to that and more. It just that the, it was action packed from start to finish. I had goosebumps watching it. It was just unreal. But obviously, uh, unfortunately, nowadays we can't get these fights without a bit of controversy. A bit, I say a bit. Everyone's saying that Chocolatito was robbed here. Estrada was gifted a scorecard in 117-111 uh, by Judge Carlos Sucre, who's been disciplined for that um, by the WBA, suspended temporarily, righteously, I think. Um, you, you can't be given... It's such a close fight. Everyone's saying it's, uh, you know, seven rounds to five. There was really not much in it. It was only somebody just getting the little edge over somebody else. It was nowhere near uh, as one-sided as that 117 to 111 scorecard suggests. So that's why it was also a big talking point, unfortunately, for the wrong reasons. But let's not forget, it was a fantastic fight, whatever the scorecard. I don't think Chocolatito should be treating it like it was a big loss because, you know, he, he fought his heart out and everyone... Um, and I think even himself would be feeling like he won that night. 
what were the intentions behind that 117-111 car? Because it, it, it is miles off when you watch that fight. Why did that, why did that judge decide to, to score it like that? It, it makes no sense to me. It, it makes no sense to anyone, mate, especially when you look at the rounds that um, they, they gave Estrada. Carlos Sucre gave Estrada. Uh, Chocolatito won them statistically uh, with, with the punches. So I, I, I know, you know, judges don't just look at the stats. It, they look at the way you punch and the effectiveness. And Estrada was doing fantastic work in the early rounds. And I was watching it. I, I, I watched the whole fight back, but I didn't obviously watch it live. Uh, it can't be breaking my sleeping pattern right now, uni <laughs> no student. But, so I, I watched it the day after and I was thinking, why is everyone saying that Chuck Letito was robbed? Because Estrada was putting in the work, like beautiful uppercut, slick. He was, he was just, he was fantastic in the pocket. But then, uh, Gonzalez came really, really into his own in, in the later rounds. And I think he won more for me in the later rounds. And that's then then I saw, oh, right, well, that's where it went wrong. Um, so I, I don't know. I guess Sucre must have been persuaded by Strada's work early on. But I, it's, it's a shame that you kind of expect there to be a wayward scorecard nowadays. And it's, But I, I'm glad the WBA, they did the right thing in suspending him because we can't be having those scorecards like that because it ruins a fight. Um, that is so special and so historic. Yeah, it's it's like VAR, isn't it, in football, really? Uh, it's just sometimes, it is sometimes so outrageously controversial or obvious that it's hard to believe it's actually happened. But a, a really good podcast, as always, Max. And we've touched on uh, some of the best boxing stories we've had in a long time with Chocolate Tito, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. Uh, Chelsea, they're unbeaten run into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. We're into the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. We're in the top four of the Premier League. Everything's going very well. And Liverpool back to winning ways too. So what a podcast. Uh, what a week of sport it's been. Another busy one. And catch us next week. Remember to watch uh, the boxing on Saturday night. A great English cruiserweight title fight coming up. Thank you to Ricky Summers, uh, who contributed this week. And I think on behalf of both of us, we can dedicate this podcast to uh, marvellous Marvin Hagler. Uh, a great loss to boxing. One, one of the greatest middleweights of all time. And by all means, an unbelievable man. And of course, as well to Murray Walker, a uh, legendary F1 commentator. Again, the voice of F1 one of the greatest men to bless sport. Such a good broadcaster. So many things you can say about them both. Um, but I think this podcast uh, is quite rightly dedicated to both of those. Yeah, two devastating losses this week, unfortunately. But luckily, uh, you know, we have great boxing and football stories to turn those fans upside down. And we have something to at least smile about when we have two tragic losses, as you said, in those uh, two figures of, of the sport who kind of shaped the sport at the time. And um yeah, two two amazing men that uh, unfortunately passed away. Yeah, absolutely, Max. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, go and catch the podcast in all the usual places. Go listen back in all the usual places. I really appreciate the listen. And if you're enjoying it, then subscribe or whatever you do and continue to continue to stay strong. We love you all. No, still doesn't know uh, <laughs> what no you've got to do instead of subscribing or following or downloading yet. But <laughs> as you said, guys, thank you for tuning in. We're here every week, so um, tune in for more fantastic boxing and football stories. And as I said, uh, we're here every, every Saturday and Friday.